Welcome to Navigating Within from the Hospital Improvement and Innovation Network team at IHC. My name is Dino Omerhadzik, and I'm the Health Services Project Coordinator, and I'm your host for today's podcast. Thanks for joining us. I want to welcome Carrie Seddon. Welcome, Carrie. Uh, she's the Director of Community Integration at the Iowa Healthcare Collaborative. Um, in this role, she supports collaborative clinical and community partnerships, driving sustainable healthcare quality improvements with focused attention on providing person-centered care throughout Iowa. Carrie received a bachelor's degree in dietetics from the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point, and a master's degree in family and consumer science from Western Michigan University. She's a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, is also certified in adult weight management and holds a cardiovascular disease and diabetes certificate. She's a Six Sigma Lean certified and has over 17 years of experience in patient care and population health management. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dino. So do you want to just, uh, the very, very impressive bio, 17 years of experience for patient care. I know the Compass Hen does a lot with diabetes-related information and stuff like that. In your history, how did you get involved in all of this? Uh, diabetes has certainly been a passion of mine from the get-go. Many healthcare professionals that decide to focus in on diabetes tend to have reasons same to my own, that it's touched us at one point in time personally. So yeah, I have a family history of diabetes. So right from the get-go, I decided that this is an area I'd want to continue to support. That's awesome. My family history has a lot of diabetes in it as well. So it's always good to know all this information and to kind of be proactive, especially at a younger age. But some statistics here, 21.8% uh, of all hospital admissions had a diagnosis of diabetes. I mean, your experience, does this surprise you? Oh, certainly not. I wish uh, it wasn't so great, but not surprised at this number as it correlates with national trends as well. So let's take a moment and step back, engage the diabetes epidemic in the United States, and then also here locally in Iowa. So according to the CDC, over 30 million Americans are living That's with crazy. diabetes. 30 yeah. million. But even more stifling is the 84 million that are living with prediabetes, almost three times that amount. Here in Iowa, it correlates pretty much the same. 286,000 living with diabetes and triple that 810 living with prediabetes. Those are, those are crazy numbers. I know, I know. And numbers we'd love to change. When we think about, I ran across at 16,000 individuals here in Iowa are diagnosed each year with diabetes. So if that prediabetes numbers and if those rates continue, um, we're going to see more hospital admissions and readmissions rise. So this is going to be a targeted focus now and moving forward. Of course, we know the, the benefit there is diabetes is manageable, but it's complex and takes a team to support individual needs because those needs for each individual are going to vary. And also, it's important to focus attention on this chronic disease to improve patient care, to improve everyday living for those living with diabetes, but keeping them healthy and healthy at home. Diabetes is expensive, though. And individuals with diabetes have medical expenses two to three times higher than those who don't have diabetes. So it's expensive for the individual, but also for the health system. Yeah, expensive for the individual and the hospital, for sure. When we're talking about strategies to prevent readmissions, what are some examples of successful strategies for individuals living with diabetes? Yeah, we need to continue 
to learn from each other and evolve sustainable strategies to support individual needs. For example, there are successful applications of this happening. If we consider a home visit within 24 to 48 or even 72 hours of discharge for those multi-visit emergency individuals with diabetes, screening these high-risk individuals, aligning visits is necessary to be preventative in nature as well. Um, Whether it's home health, a health system care manager, a local paramedicine partnership, or utilizing community health workers and established community-based care coordinators as the trusted member with that in-depth understanding of community needs and their available services. As an example, in 2018, one of the local health systems and accountable care organizations analyzed care provided to a small sample of beneficiaries who received home visits. And they actually did find that their emergency visits were lower and that they had fewer inpatient hospitalizations than their control group. So preliminary, but across the board and applications, we're seeing improvements. That's awesome. Going along with that, my previous series on this podcast was about paramedicine partnerships with EDs and how the role of a paramedic has changed so much Mm -hmm. with these visits and with these home visits for these patients and just the level of success they've seen by incorporating that could be used for any type of diagnosis, especially diabetes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, there we focus in on the importance of assessing their needs and at home where they live. And part of that complex management of diabetes, medication management is so critical facilitating that medication reconciliation of their discharge prescriptions, including coverage, cost prior to their discharge is important, but then following up with that during the home visit, especially during those critical days when they're due to change a dosing of a medication or a dosing regimen can be critical. Also important to note is addressing clinical inertia. And essentially what this means, if you have a patient with diabetes that is taking, they're adherent to taking their medications 80% of the time, but there's no improvement in blood glucose control, then we need to think about adapting their regimen per ADA or standard national guidelines. Maybe even it's just the complexity or the schedule of their medication regimen. Also, our collaborative partnerships, our interdisciplinary teams can provide us so much value, such as connecting with the outpatient pharmacists, especially those doing medication therapy management to support those patient needs. And now go, you know, we think about, of course, as a CDE, I'm a bit biased, but the (laughs) importance of education early while they're inpatient, right? But then also ongoing as they're discharged. And with that, we think of is it covered? Are there opportunities to improve reimbursement for these necessary services? And yes, there certainly are. And there is work currently going on doing just that. It's just so intertwined, isn't it? There's so many different levels, which is all the more reason to have that cross collaboration between interdisciplinary settings in a hospital that can make it that much easier to monitor and be proactive when we're talking about diabetes and all kinds of other things that the patient might have. Because most of the time we see that it's not only diabetes, that there are other things involved with it as well, which makes it much more complex for the patient to be accountable, especially with all the social determinants of health that we have and things like that. So You're absolutely right, Dino. The diabetes self-management training, it can delay the onset of some of those serious diabetes complications. So for patients with diabetes, when we're looking at admissions and re-admissions, oftentimes it's the complications of those related to diabetes that could be in causing some of those admissions. Absolutely. 
Going on, looking at the readmissions data brief, readmission rates were highest for ICD-10 codes for type 1 and type 2 diabetes with complications like we're talking about right now. How do you think reimbursement can be improved? The current bill that's been proposed to the Senate, it creates more flexibility on not only when, but where diabetes management training or those education services can be assessed. So really, if passed, they're going to provide more covered hours of diabetes self-management training for patients with diabetes. Actually, we're looking at six additional hours, which are so important to actually to be able to individualize their care. Absolutely. And it also will exclude deductible requirements. So it's going to remove a cost barrier for those Medicare beneficiaries that this bill would cover. And lastly, trying to, we talked about home visits before, it would then allow education at community-based locations. So expanding access to care, and it even paves the way for future coverage for virtual education. Virtual education. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely the move uh, if you can have it at your fingertips for sure. I I feel like that is from what I've seen with the podcast I'm doing, there's a lot of virtual coverage that's happening and that way you can spread the education more drastically and faster. So I think that's awesome. I don't know if you want to talk about this key finding in relation to the the HIN claims data. We show that 32.9% of all readmissions had an index diagnosis of diabetes. Um, So why do you think diabetes patients are more likely to return to the hospital? Yeah, that is an excellent question. You know, one we mentioned a little bit before based on some of the complexities of their complications and the need for education. But when we think about each individual patient that's admitted and readmitted to the hospital, why is that? What brought them there? Yes, as an example, they're admitted with hyperglycemia, but why? What's the root cause and how can their care plan be adapted to support a long-term resolution preventing those unnecessary readmissions? And has this plan then been clearly communicated with the outpatient team? Which goes back to that uh, cross-collaboration between teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've been supporting the wrap-up of the state innovation model, the SIM grant here in Iowa. Just a reminder, the SIM grant was a CMMI initiative. It pretty much focused on statewide healthcare transformation. Uh, the intent was to improve uh, care quality in an environment uh, where clinical and community partnerships lend to healthier communities via a system that's affordable and sustainable over time. Following that health model, the AHC model addresses critical gaps between clinical care and community services. What examples can you share from SIM related to diabetes and reducing readmissions? There were so many amazing accomplishments uh, through the SIM grant. And one of those, just in the essence of time, is uh, the work that we had uh, supported with a cost of care project that was implemented to align resources for multi-visit ED patients to prevent readmissions by providing intensive care coordination support. So each of the communities, their projects were unique in their approach. One success story, bringing up again a partnership between a federally qualified health center and a paramedicine program. During an in-home visit, they had an in-depth conversation with a frequent non-emergent visit patient, a patient with um, complex needs. And what they found was that the patient, their reason for their repeated admissions to the ED was that they found that the wait time in the ED was shorter than the wait time to see their provider. Wow. So 
oftentimes this was a simple solution, right? Yeah. So they were able to provide education on the, the proper means to scheduling appointment and the best times of day. Certainly a, a simple solution, but oftentimes they're more challenging than that. We say they had a conversation, an in-depth conversation, but shared decision-making between the individual with diabetes and their caregiver and their care team is critical to uncover the root cause or to truly understand their needs. So we can utilize those motivational interviewing skills when uncovering a readmission root cause, but also utilize it to increase their engagement when developing their care plan to support that long-term resolution that they need. Yeah, that's a great example. They would have never known why this patient was coming in to the ED every single time, something as simple as the wait time. So that's a great example. So when we talk about complex in terms of diabetes, what exactly do you mean by complex? Most of um, an, a core of the SIM grant, we were focused in on supporting patients' social determinants of health needs. Um, so when we think of complex, according to the American Hospital Association, those social economic factors, those social determinants of health needs, they're responsible for approximately 40% of the patient's health. So these social issues certainly can have a significant they can be a barrier to their diabetes um, self-management success. And just as a reminder, those social determinants are factors in their social environment, such as financial barriers, employment status, housing, transportation, food insecurity, their access to healthcare, social support, and education is just a few examples. So for us to truly understand the link between their social determinants of health and diabetes lends to identifying opportunities to improve their care and prevent those negative health outcomes, thus reducing admissions and readmissions. So as an example, imagine a patient with diabetes without transportation. They're less likely to keep their follow-up primary care appointments or pick up their medications, which are crucial at the time of discharge. Imagine a patient on a sulfonuria. So this is a secretagogue whose mechanism of action is to stimulate your pancreas to release insulin regardless of blood sugar level. So they're at a higher risk of hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. What if they had food insecurity as well? So their risk of a readmission goes up. The lack of the available food could create that increase in those episodes of hypoglycemia. Establishing partnerships that I'd mentioned before and as a model and success of one of the total cost of care project with SIM, in just six short months, establishing a partnership like I'd previously mentioned with the federally qualified health center in the, the paramedicine program, in just six short months, by assessing and addressing their social determinants of health needs, they saved almost $24,000 in just one individual. That's incredible. In just six months. In just six months. And in that time period, that high-risk individual who had repeated ED visits in the past had no ED visits in that six-month time period. So putting in the extra efforts, assessing their needs, meeting the patient where they're at, understanding that root cause, clearly communicating with the team Absolutely. and this group had created a standardized cross-sector referral system as well. So that um, had a dramatic impact in their coordination of care. It helps to improve outcomes. And yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you the level of coordination within that hospital. You talked a little bit about it, but what kind of system did they put in, in place and how did this all start? How did they know that they needed something like this? Are you familiar with how that went about? 
thankfully, this success has been shared because of its value that it provided to the community. Steering committees, community coalitions were required as part of the SIM grant. And during the one of the first initial steps that had occurred with the steering committee for this group is our current referral system working. So they used a third party to assess the current referral system and what they found that it was broken. So from there, they worked together collaboratively to develop a system where uh, to improve uh, the gaps in their care. So they have created and rebranded their work for successful sustainment moving forward. That's awesome. When we talk about establishing those care coordination teams, is screening for social determinants of health at the hospital enough or does more have to go into that? Uh, certainly, uh, creating those systems level mechanisms to screen for the social determinants of health improves team-based care. Keeping in mind the importance of being proactive in our approach versus just always reacting. We can expand those social determinants of health screening practices outside the hospital, and that's happening across the state. This includes screening at the outpatient clinics, especially those primary care and endocrinology offices where patients with diabetes are managed but also in community organizations where patients with diabetes frequently visit. So we can utilize that technology to improve that communication and close those referral loops. As an example, one rural hospital in Northwest Iowa has started this screening expansion, incorporating it into their hospital, their ED, their primary care clinics, and a local community resource center. And this universal screening method has captured over a thousand surveys in just five short weeks wow. with over a hundred individuals asking for additional support. Those available resources have offset the cost of medications, aligned transportation services, and even determine where their mobile food pantry can best support the identified needs of those 25% that were facing food insecurity in their rural community, which they hadn't realized the extent uh, of that need. So when addressing social determinants of health needs in patients with diabetes, hospitals and health systems cannot do it alone. Establishing those strategic external partnerships with community is critical. And, and again, I mentioned so many successful applications of them doing just that. So in doing so, they build integrated care networks to better serve the needs of their diverse communities. Carrie, I've learned so much and it's really is reassuring to know that there are hospitals and, and other organizations out there that are taking proactive approaches to the management of not only diabetes, but all the other things that come across. Do you have any closing comments or anything that you want to address? We can add a few links if you have some external resources or anything like that you'd like to attach. I want to thank you again for joining the podcast. Hopefully we do something similar to this again in the future. Yeah, thank you, Dino. Uh, be sure to share some links for quick references. Awesome. Thank you very much.